Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Well, today we're going to talk about the industrial real estate market throughout the U.S. You know, the industrial real estate market has been very hot, and we're going to see how hot it is and what to expect in the future. We're also going to share some user strategies. So if your company uses industrial real estate, you want to listen to this show. Well, please welcome my first guest, Renee Sirk. He is Director of U.S. Research for the Industrial Market with CoStar. Renee, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, Renee, let's start with an update on the on the fundamentals of uh, absorption and, and uh, rates and uh, occupancy in the industrial U.S. market. For the second quarter and year-to-date, uh, where is performance? Uh, where are we today? Well, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I'm a little bit coming here with mixed, mixed feelings. Uh, the market is overall doing very well, so let's, let's start there. Uh, during the quarter, vacancy declined another 10 basis points, and for the year, it's down 20 basis points. So right now, we stand at about 7.2%. Now, the most amazing part of that number is that it's actually 40 basis points lower than the lowest point the last cycle. So you would have to go back to the Internet bubble years to see vacancy rates this low. So from that perspective, it's phenomenal. On the demand side, well, I would say it was a little bit disappointing, especially the second quarter. If you look at the last several years, we saw a very nice cyclical pattern with the first quarter being the weakest, the fourth quarter being the strongest, and the two middle ones being sort of in between. Well, this time around, the second quarter actually came in a little bit weaker than the first. And uh, even the sum of the two, first and second, year over year, is down about 5 million square feet. So we saw about 30 million square feet absorbed in the second quarter versus 33 million square feet absorbed in the, in the first quarter. So those are not bad numbers, but you know, maybe I'm getting used to stronger numbers than, than that by, by now. Now, well, obviously, what's driving the vacancies down then must be that deliveries are not as strong, and that is absolutely that is absolutely the case. We are still running at about 20 million square feet per quarter. So that's about you know, four or five million square feet better than this time last year, but still only about half of what we saw in 2006 and seven. And so you have vacancies low. What happens to rents? Well, they go up. And year-over-year rents are up about 3.5%. Uh, and that's actually a very widespread number. Uh, we, we track 54 large markets, and 38 of them actually had rent improvements. So that's not bad at all. And that's great. And, and you mentioned new supply. Uh, where are we on the volume of new supply uh, today as compared to, to normal uh, historic numbers? Well, what I, would, what I would say is that if you looked outside your window in 2006, 2007, you would see, oh, we have a big window, but you would <laughs> see about 180 million square feet underweight at any given point in time. I, that's a big window I have. Yeah, it's a very big window. <laughs> well, today it will be 85. Okay. Uh, so we are still running maybe even less than half, so still very, very low. Now, that 85 was 40 million square feet a couple years ago, so we have doubled the activity, but still we, have to, we can double it one more time and still theoretically be okay. Okay, so do you expect uh, new supply to, to increase? Well, it's funny. I've been expecting a lot longer than the developers been <laughs> willing to build, so we are definitely calling for it. There's definitely room for it across the spectrum. There are a few pockets where may maybe getting overbuilt, but uh, across the spectrum there is room. It's just not really happening yet. Okay, and you talked about the rate increases increasing 3.5 percent for rental rates. Well, what kind of rates are you seeing for some of the different classes of properties? It's all obviously it's all over the board, just mm -hmm. because it depends on the property type, it depends right. on the on the market. But if you think of it in terms of 
in terms of relative to 2007 rates. Uh, in most of the markets, rates are still below their previous peaks, and that number can range between 5 and 10%. Now, there are exceptions to that rule. If you look at Denver, uh, we all know why. Uh, if, you look at, um, <laughs> if you look at Dallas, different reasons, uh, Houston, there are few markets across the country where rents are above their previous peaks. But uh, but in most of them, they're still they still have room to run. Okay, so your outlook for industrial is uh, bullish for the next few years. Absolutely, we expect the second half to be stronger. Uh, it may actually be the second half of the second half. In other words, the fourth quarter uh, that will be the strongest. If you look at the amount of leasing that we've been tracking, it's not calling for an extremely robust third quarter. We should do better than the second, but not not huge. But the fourth quarter should be stronger than that, and then. Probably by this time next year, uh, we are expecting supply to finally surpass surpass demand. But by then, vacancies will compress another 40, 50 bips. So we'll be potentially even a full one percentage point below the bottom of the market uh, You know, this time last cycle. Okay. And with the uh, increase of online sales, uh, certainly the, the big boxes have been hot. But what about performance in some of the smaller buildings, say the buildings under 100,000 square feet or maybe even under 50? Well, that is absolutely where the story is today. The, the, the recovery definitely started in the big boxes. You could even argue that they didn't even have a recession at all from the demand perspective. But today, it's mostly about the smaller buildings, which gives me comfort because who takes those spaces? It's the local businesses. So to me, that points to stronger local business. That to me points to stronger economy than maybe some of the headline GDP numbers showed recently. But uh, we track about 2,000 submarkets, and we actually create this diffusion index. And if you look at the number of submarkets or the percentage of submarkets that have improvement in occupancies for that small stuff, they, they they outperform any other segment. It's 65 percent or so of submarkets are so are actually showing improvements uh, versus uh, maybe 55 for the for the big logistics building. So that is where most of the activity is happening in terms of the uh, number of activity. Clearly, if some Amazon leases a million square feet, that's a lot of small tenants to take up that space. Right. So I guess that's where there might be some opportunities then for uh, investors is investing in some of these smaller buildings in some of these markets. Oh, without a doubt. Um, mm-hmm. We are actually an advisory firm, and our clients, we've been advising them for over a year now to, to focus on the light industrial segment uh, that's going to benefit from, from the housing recovery and uh, some manufacturing resurgence. And also that's where the pricing is most favorable. If you look at a discount to replacement cost, it's very difficult to find it for uh, logistics space. It's nearly impossible to find it for big boxes. Uh, but these little guys, they're still trading easily uh, for 10% disc- at a 10% discount to replacement. Yeah, that's interesting. So what do you see for cap rates and sales volume today and uh, year-to-date, and, and what do you expect moving forward? Well, the sales volume is, is strong. I think mm-hmm. there would be more trading if there was more product on the market. Uh, and a lot of observers think that if there was more construction being delivered into the sale market, there will be actually more activity, because on a square footage basis, we are we are at new peaks, and we have been for at least a year now, in terms of square feet traded. On a dollar basis, we, ju- we got there. We are back to the previous peak. Year over year, we up about 6%, which is interesting, because multifamily retail is down. Office is a little better up than we are, uh, but industrial is up 6%. That's, that's not bad. And in terms of cap rates, well, it's interesting because it's a blend, right? So on a blended basis, cap rates are actually going up. 
because capital is flowing into uh, you know search for yield in the the lesser properties, the secondary market. So the weighted average is actually uh, going up. But if you dissect it, you see that the best stuff is staying put. It's, I don't, we don't see any compression anymore. The the secondary stuff is actually compressing. And going forward, we expect uh, cap rates to remain flat for, for a little bit as interest rates start to rise. We forecast about 20, 30 bips increase. So nothing too meaningful because as the economy improves, the spreads will come down, offsetting some of the increasing interest rates. Okay, so because of you're seeing now more B quality assets and smaller assets selling, that's affecting the overall cap rates. You're saying, absolutely. But your, your institutional quality assets, those cap rates, you're seeing them remain pretty steady. Yeah, I mean, we you know the lowest numbers we saw were in the mid fours, and we know we haven't seen pretty much anything going lower than that, uh, especially on a stabilized basis. Maybe even a little bit up, and that's only a handful of markets. But if you think of Institutional cap rates being with a five handle, you can you can pretty much uh, assume that we are there and we're going to stay there for a while. Right, that seems pretty low. And that is low. <laughs> okay, are there any other trends or, or numbers, Renee, that uh, stand out to you in the industrial market today? Um, not nothing too new. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still fascinated by this by this e-commerce e-commerce industry and how much it's been driving demand. You know, the estimates are about 30% of all net absorption is a function of of, uh, of e-commerce. It's probably even more than that um, in certain in certain markets, and we don't really see that slowing. So the interesting thing that we are looking at now is that that shift that's occurring from the primary driver of demand the last 10 years was containers, Conta- containers coming in from China into the port of LA, Long Beach. That is not going to be the driver for the next 10 years. It won't be a detriment, but it won't be the same driver. Really, the driver now is going to be going to be e-commerce trying to get closer to their customers. So right. we are starting to see some smaller markets actually factor in a bigger way than you know, standard uh, you know, inland empires of the world. Renee, thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for more on the industrial real estate market. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. Well, today we're talking about the industrial real estate market in the U.S., the wild and woolly world of industrial real estate. Well, please welcome my guest now in Studio One. I have Sim Dowdy here. Sim is president of King Industrial. They're a respected industrial real estate brokerage firm with offices offices in Florida and Georgia. Sim, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Michael. Great to be here. We also have Dane Pryor with us. He's a partner with Panatoni. Panatoni develops, leases, and owns properties in 278 cities in U.S., Canada, and Europe. Dane, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Michael. Good well, to be we here. Well, we appreciate it. And, you know, the, one of the big discussions about industrial real estate is Internet sales and e-commerce and how that's driven uh, the market, especially in, in some of these big boxes around the country. I know at Panatoni, you guys do a lot of that work. What do you guys feel, and Dane, if you'll start for us, what, what do you feel? Is that going to continue to grow? Is that continue to improve? Like I had one analyst that suggested on a show a while back that, maybe some investors might want to be concerned with investing in um, a building that was uh, leased by an internet-based uh, user 
because maybe they'll move out of that building and not need it one day. <laughs> that seems a little strange. What do you think about the future? Well, it's, uh, you know, we used to build buildings for 500,000 square feet 15 years ago, and that was a big chunk. And, uh, and today the trend with the e- e-com buildings is more in the million to a million and a half square feet. And uh, you've got a lot more uh, employees for the uh, process of the e-commerce since you're not delivering on pallets through trucks. You're delivering, you know, um, individual packages to individuals across the country. It's a much more labor-intensive process. So you've got more uh, car parking, more employee parking, and uh, that, and the and the size of the buildings with combined with the parking eats up a lot bigger site. So your coverage is a little bit lower. So your overall cost is going to be a little bit higher. And um, so that must be driving um, demand for large flat pieces of land right <laughs> large fat, flat pieces of land are hard to find right so. sim what do you see is this uh, trend going to continue to drive the industrial market everybody i talk to says that uh this it's eight percent of total sales right now mm-hmm. it's going to go to 30 percent in a few years so it's not going to stop anytime soon and the comment about the the people moving out of the space they spend more money inside the building the building costs they're not going anywhere mm-hmm that's interesting. So the tenants are contributing a lot of TI on these buildings? Absolutely. There's been a lot of money, and they're, it's high-paying jobs, so they're not going anywhere. And what are some of the trends of these big, large, new buildings uh, as far as ceiling heights and automation and things? We, we are generally seeing anything you know, that's half a million square feet or more is, is going to 36-foot clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the e-com guys have asked for 40 feet, and uh, it, it just becomes challenging for the uh, sprinkler systems and lighting at those at those levels, but uh, the uh, 36 clear is is pretty standard now. Yeah, that's interesting. And these are big projects. So, as a single tenant, uh, how long is a typical lease on a property like that? Generally, today? generally 10, 15. We're seeing some 20-year requirements. Okay, for the initial term. Yes. Well, that makes sense if you're building a building that size. It you might need a longer term to, to, to commit to building that for them, right? And what are some of the other um, trends you're seeing in the construction of these buildings? Uh, are, are more of these users uh, demanding LEED certified buildings? Are they willing to pay for it? You know, the uh, capital is really driving a lot of the LEED certified buildings. Most of the buildings we do today would, uh, would qualify or, or have many of the LEED certification um, uh, characteristics in our buildings already mm-hmm. uh, a lot of our capital partners would like to see lead certified and it, it, it's just a great long-term uh, value enhancement to the uh, property so the demand for lead is from the equity side not so much the, the debt side they, they don't care right the debt doesn't care uh, users users it matters operationally you want right. to you want to give them the best uh, value for the dollar right and they want the savings but do they want to pay for the actual lead certification it it does get uh, it it gets down to that yeah. um, in a lot of cases and yeah. and um, sometimes they don't want to go for the lead certification but they want the lead quality right. type uh, characteristics. Sim, what are you seeing in these? Trends? Well, the the official certification they have to pay for sometimes could be two three hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and so what they're doing is let's build it to that, let's get the savings, but let's not pay that fee. Yeah. You know, so their customers like it, their 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 uh, employees like it, and so they're going to do that. And developers are starting to do it uh, in spec buildings because they may not be able to get a higher rent, uh, but they feel they can lease a building quicker. 
Interesting. And let's talk about new construction now. Uh, are you beginning to see more spec building uh, around the country, Sam? Uh, we are. Uh, L.A. and Dallas and Houston, those places, have been booming. Their mm -hmm. vacancies are 4 or 5%. Chicago and Atlanta are now following suit. It took us a little bit longer to, to come back from the uh, downturn just because we were so far back. But spec buildings are booming right now, uh, and you're starting to see, and the build seats are continuing because of the e-commerce. Mm -hmm. You know, you, they just can't take a normal building. 40-foot ceiling heights, they don't exist. So mm -hmm. what do you think? No, I think you're right. I think uh, spec is very much uh, in favor right now, uh, but there's still a lot of build-to-suit activity that's happening. Okay. And what about construction costs today? I think some people may think that construction costs are lower, land costs are, are, are lower than they were uh, pre-recession. Uh, what do you actually see? Good flat land is uh, hard to come by, so a, yeah. a lot of your uh, your sites are very difficult and challenging right now. So, and and then with the higher number of trailer storage requirements and employee parking requirements, got a lot more site work to uh, to get these buildings to a flat level uh, site. So, uh, that that has been uh, lowering the uh, overall coverage for the sites. So it's just become a little bit more expensive. We're seeing uh, increases in both uh, steel and concrete right now as well. Okay. Yeah, I looked at uh, uh, labor and materials, mm -hmm. and what's going to happen is there's so much new construction in everything, whether it's apartments or industrial or office, retail, everything, that construction costs got to go up for labor and materials. Yeah. they got to go up. Yeah. And what do you see in SIM as far as um, – developers and users finding the land they need like you said it's hard to find these big flat pieces of land and uh, we've got some uh, malls and, and large retail properties that are suffering what are you seeing there you've seen some industrial uses there well what's, <clears throat> what's happening is you're starting to see a reverse trend mm -hmm. where you've had retail bought up all the industrial land way back when mm -hmm. now it's going the other way around because e-commerce is taking it on the internet and not in, in the store. So uh, I recently sold a mall that used to have a Macy's and JCPenney's and Sears in it, uh, and they rezoned it, and they're going to build an e-commerce building on it. So if you want to build big, build, build big buildings, you're going to go farther out, you know, because you can't find the land, because you can't have a creek running through the middle of it. Right. That's interesting. So when I uh, list my next large retail property that's in distress, I may need to call you, right? Get you to help me with it. I'll give you my card. <laughs> that's great. Well, what else are you seeing in the in the construction side and the new development side uh, uh, that's a trend today? Well, certainly uh, the uh, the parking requirements are, mm -hmm. are ramping up. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, LEED certification is pretty standard now. We're, mm -hmm. we're doing two spec buildings that are both LEED certified uh, in the Atlanta market, uh, and, and we're doing that around the country. Most of our new spec buildings are going to be LEED certified. Uh, making sure that you have uh, functionality in the building with clear height, uh, the lighting requirements, uh, so, that, so that those things are going to last for quite a while and not uh, become functionally obsolescent. All right, that's great. We're going to have more on the industrial market, so stay with us. We're going to talk about the investment sales market and some more occupier strategies. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Florida International University. With FIU's Fast Track system, you can earn your master's in real estate in just 10 months without interrupting your career. 
Visit FIUonline.com to learn more. That's FIUonline.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Today we're talking about industrial real estate in the U.S. We're going to talk about some occupier strategies. We have Dane Pryor with us, a partner with Panatoni, and Sim Dowdy with King Industrial, both here in Studio One joining me. And guys, there's been a lot of talk about industrial manufacturing coming back to the U.S. Dane, what are you really seeing? We, we are seeing some of that. I'm, I'm not an economist, but uh, what I hear is that uh, the, the labor disparity or, or labor cost disparity is narrowing between uh, Asia and the U.S., and uh, the, certainly the uh, intellectual property rights are much, much more protected here in the U.S., so some of that manufacturing is coming back for those reasons. Yeah, and we also have a lot of consumers here, right? <laughs> we have a lot of consumers. So- well, there's been a lot of changes to the manufacturing process, and that has helped bring it back. Uh, it's, manufacturing is still labor-intensive, but not as much labor-intensive. And so uh, the labor costs have been lowered because they introduced robotics and technology to the process. Uh, it used to be robots would lift heavy car parts or whatever, and now they're screwing in screws. Mm-hmm. A person used to do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, now manufacturing, manufacturing plants, um, the modern plants, Employees got to be have technical skills, ability to utilize computers, robotics, um, and robots are less likely to make a mistake. And so uh, you see, these states are also re- recruiting them because the jobs pay well. And the states are offering one thing to get help them get employees. They'll find them, screen them, test them, and train new employees for free. They'll also uh, uh, do infra- infrastructure like roads and utilities for free, maybe free land in some cases. They also will pay firms like 3500 per employee as an incentive for five years to bring those jobs there. So, you know, energy costs are going down, uh, uh, labor costs are going down, uh, and transportation costs, if they onshore, transportation costs are going down because they're not having to ship it. Right. All right, so they don't have to worry about ports, uh, you know, strikes in the ports or bad weather. So manufacturing is definitely coming back. And also the utilities, right? The power, the gas, the... Uh, the power is uh, a lot, it's more expensive, it's not expensive now, mm-hmm. it's gone down, it's more reliable too, it's very mm-hmm. important. Some of the states have passed laws to where they can phase out the sales tax on the manufacturing cost of, it, of the power, and so that's been a huge savings as well. Yeah, and the incentives you, you mentioned there, that a lot of these, these cities and states are, are supplying a lot of incentives, that's a big part of industrial real estate, isn't it, for these occupiers looking for the right location? It is. I mean, we, we're, we're looking at a project right now that's mm-hmm. between three states. They've got one site between each of the three states, mm-hmm. and it's just an incentives game for them to, you know, work the states for the best incentives. And uh, you're, you're seeing that a lot as companies are, 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 or manufacturing firms are relocating from the northeast to the south. And, and uh, these states are very, very astute at how to uh, attract these businesses and, and uh, provide the incentives that they need to get here. And what states would you say are, are kind of ahead of the curve that seem to be uh, winning more of these uh, manufacturing and other industrial tenants? We're seeing uh, Tennessee is very uh, very astute on this on the on the incentives piece. South Carolina and Georgia all compete uh, very well. Alabama has been in the mix uh, on several manufacturing deals. So those those four I think are are the leaders in what we see in our markets. Mm-hmm. It really comes down to how many jobs you create and what they pay. 
And so distribution, uh, the normal distribution, they don't hire that many people, they don't pay them that well, so they don't offer them a lot of incentives. Manufacturing pays well, also e-commerce pays well, and those are going to be long-term jobs because they make such big investments in their infrastructure and all that, they're not going to move very soon. So, you know, states are going after them very heavy, and they're competing against each other. Okay. What tips would you guys provide to, to a state or, or, a, or a city that's trying to, to win uh, a manufacturer or, or another industrial type of users? What kind of um, things should they think about? What kind of incentives and what should they avoid? What have they done wrong that's, that's kept them from winning uh, the right tenant? I think the uh, the training program, the the Quick Start program that Georgia has, is is a very attractive feature. We've heard that from some of our tenants that that training piece has become a, uh, a an important part of of their selection process. That they can have the uh, state or or a technical school train their people to go into the work in into the manufacturing place. So it's that's been a uh, it's been a very attractive feature for the Georgia program. Okay. And then also, I guess, when you bring in, a, say, a, a car manufacturing, they're bringing their plant here, that's going to spur a lot of other uh, tenants and, and business and jobs around it, isn't it, Sim? Yeah, suppliers are huge. In fact, many times they'll create more jobs than the automaker will. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and also, just to amplify what Dane said, uh, when, they, when they offer to train these employees and find them and all that, I talked to a manufacturer that is a supplier for Kia and a bunch of others that uh, anywhere from 40 to 60% of the people they interview can't pass the drug test or the background test. So if the state takes that off of them, just think of the money and time and efforts that saved that manufacturer. Wow, I'm glad I didn't have to pass that test to get this job. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, Mom. Uh, all right, stay with us. We'll have more on the industrial market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404-832-8262. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. We're talking about industrial real estate today. And on this segment, we're going to talk about some user strategies, some maybe some mistakes to avoid if you use or buy uh, industrial real estate. And we have Sim Dowdy here with King Industrial and Dane Pryor, a partner with Panatoni. So, guys, let's talk about that. You know, what uh, I guess one of the first things to think about if you're an industrial user and you need new space. Um, is having the right team, right? Exactly. I think, and that that really starts with uh, the right brokerage firm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to get a good broker that's that's repping you mm-hmm. and uh, your interests in the process. It's a good thing I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And you also got to pick some other team members, right? You do. I, you know, probably forty to fifty percent of of uh, these large DC costs are their transportation costs. So. Mm-hmm. It really would help if uh, if if you've got a, a good logistics study in in house or, or you know know where you're going to distribute to know where you're going to locate first before you run around and exercise a lot of people to uh, on multiple sites in multiple states. You know narrow narrow your search of where you want to be. Okay, and if I'm going to move uh, or, or create or move a, a business to to a 
some states in the U.S. I also need someone to help me with the incentives, manage that process. Yeah, usually you can find uh, firms that specialize in that. Mm -hmm. They've been down that road before, very good at it, and they can get it apples to apples and actually help you get a great incentive package. And and when you go apples to apples, you might pick one state over the other because they did such a good job in one state. Okay. And then another tip, another strategy for, for occupiers, for users, for tenants, uh, whatever we want to want to call uh, these people who occupy these companies, occupy the space, it's timing, right? Sam? Uh, many mistakes are made by the fact that the timing's off because they wait too late yeah. uh, to be able to choose what they want to do, and they really don't have a plan. And you got to have a plan, otherwise you go off in all sorts of different directions. You never get to where you want to go because you never planned in the first place. And talk a little bit more about the timing. So what, what might be a sample company that needs space and how much time they should allocate? Uh, usually they wait until it's 90 days out and then they start <laughs> thinking about it. Right. Some of them wait till 30 days out. Uh, if they actually yeah. plan it a year in advance, they mm -hmm. usually get everything done, make sure everything's competitive, apples to apples, because all land sites aren't the same, all buildings aren't the same, all spaces aren't the same, and all developers and builders aren't the same. So <laughs> uh, get a spreadsheet and do it that way, and you'll make the best deal. And then if you need a, a build-to-suit situation or you have a manufacturing plan, then you need a lot more, more time than that, right? Yes, even more time for a manufacturer. You're going to have to go through a lot more uh, approval processes and and uh, you're going to work your incentives a little bit harder now i read about a build a suit uh, that you guys did uh where you did a pretty large deal was it in pennsylvania and was a build a suit and and from the lease term to move in was pretty quick we we have done some uh, pretty record uh speed speed jobs getting uh, some of these guys in uh we we've built some buildings in 90 to 120 days wow. and uh have delivered some large spaces in in uh, very short time periods but it's typically it's a site that we we've known or owned and and have graded so yeah that's pretty good when you consider nine months to years usually the time frame to build a building and get somebody in there yeah that's true so on the plan uh sam you need a, a short-term plan and a long-term plan to to get in the right space requirement right you got to look at what your business is going to be doing maybe five or ten years down the road right Right, because you might need to expand. You don't know. And a lot of times in a lease, you can get expansion rights. You can also get rights to go go smaller if you want to. Uh, a lot of times, with especially with Panatoni, y'all will do that for your people across the country, won't you? We will. Yeah, flexible. It sounds like you're negotiating with him now on a deal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on that lien, uh, landlord lien uh, waiver. <laughs> and what about financial and the, and the pricing uh, selection process? Uh, what should tenants think about there, and what, what, what are you seeing? Well, once again, I think it's apples to apples, and that's why you do spreadsheets because some people give you free rent. Some people give you tenant improvements. There's all sorts of incentives they'll give you, but you got to price them out. And then is it a five-year lease, a seven-year lease? I mean, all that kind of thing. you got you got to really back into it to get the right numbers. Yeah. You, do. you, need, to, you need to have a solid uh, spec for what you want in your building. And, uh, you know, the building price fluctuation between Panatoni or another developer may not may not be that much on the, uh, the actual shell construction itself. Uh, the, the, the general contractors are going to price within a few percent of each other, but the, it, it comes down to what the land cost is, what your grading costs are to, uh, for the site work. And are they also considering cap rates in that process? They are. So you, you are considering your capital in that process, and, and a lot of these build-to-suits are very uh, heavily competitive, and, and uh, the, the capital behind it wants to own those facilities long term so there's very little spread between 
you know, what the actual rent yield is versus the uh, exit cap in a lot of these cases today. Okay. And I guess also as a tenant, you want to think about what's important to you in a lease situation, right? So you know up front, hey, when you go into the developer, you go in with the broker, uh, you work working with your first LOI, if you need a cancellation, right, in, in five years or 10 years or, or whatever it may be that you think is really important to you, that, that you've got that planned up front, right? Well, you do, and that's that's why you get your attorney involved early on, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of paragraphs in these uh, leases that could hurt you. For instance, mm-hmm. there's a landlord landlord's lien that goes on your inventory, and if you allow that to be in the in the lease, you can't get a loan. Uh, you can't use your collateral on a loan for your business, and that could really hurt you. So you really have to be ahead of those things. All right. So you've got a pretty big team here. You got a developer. You've got the broker. You've got the incentives guy. You've got the attorney. Uh, any other team members? Don't forget the logistics. Logistics. Okay. Someone to help with the logistics. Logistics consultant. Okay. So if we had uh, that's kind of team, we need a bigger desk here at Studio One, right? If we had the entire team here. For sure. All right. Well, next we're going to talk about the investment side of industrial real estate. You know, and in the investment side of industrial real estate has been really hot. A lot of investors really like industrial real estate. We'll talk about that. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about industrial real estate, and we're going to talk about investment sales and, and cap rates. Before we do that, I'd like to welcome our new affiliate in Orlando. It's WRSO. We're on 810 AM there and 93.1 FM every Saturday at 9 AM. So check us out in Orlando. Uh, we have Sim Dowdy here with King Industrial and Dane Pryor, a partner with Panatoni. And uh, Sim, uh, we were talking earlier with Coast star with Renee about cap rates and uh, we talked about cap rates on maybe some of the non-institutional property maybe they're in secondary or tertiary markets or are there B quality assets and uh, what are you seeing for cap rates uh, and the trends there for those properties? Well the trends really are being pushed by the institutional people that are buying they, they've lowered the, the, the cap rate so much on the class A stuff all the other investors have been driven to B and C and so what you're seeing is they're buying these value-add driven properties that might have some vacancy to them, older buildings, you know, lower ceiling heights and all that. And so uh, a lot of times you might see those in an 8% cap rate range, but there's so many buyers that they're driving the cap rates down to like 7.2, 7.4%. So in that regard, I, I, I disagree with CoStar. I think that the, the cap rates are going down, not up. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting point because uh, you're seeing cap rates go down and compress some more on those uh, assets. And I think what CoStar may have been uh, speaking of is the overall cap rates are going up because they're just seeing more of that smaller assets and more of that B quality. But uh, so so overall, all cap rates are really compressing. And you're seeing the same thing in the institutional quality assets, Dane? We are. I mean, the, the uh, institutions have really uh, driven cap rates low and, and uh, 
we're seeing it so much in, in industrial right now because a lot of these uh, institutions already have their allocations of other product types, so they're under-allocated in industrial in a lot of cases, so they're having to ramp up their uh, industrial acquisitions. Right, so if you want to sell industrial building, call us. We can <laughs> sell it right away, right? Um, and what about some of the trends, Dan? What are you seeing some of the trends related to debt and equity? Well, debt is uh, definitely coming back. Uh, you know, we're we're seeing a lot more uh, uh, equity involved in in uh, in the uh, total capital stack of a project, but uh, the leverage the leverage is rolling up to you know what we were seeing a few years ago was in the fifty five percent range and uh, for a non recourse construction loan. Now we're seeing in the in the sixty sixty five percent seventy percent range, a little bit higher for build to suits, but um, you know. Well, these properties are are, um, are very attractive to lenders, and and uh, the the debt side is definitely coming back. Well, it's interesting to, to hear you say that uh, you know le- leverage and the loan to value ratios are, are getting really high. And when you say you know they're 55, 65 percent, because some some investors, uh, some listeners to the show may think that's not that high, but this is non-recourse money, right? That's right. That's a big deal. So if the market goes in the tank, you can walk away. <laughs> That's right. I think the lenders have really, uh, they're leaning more on the equity today than the uh, the name of the guarantor. Yeah, well, it's probably smart on their part. Uh, and also, if you're an investor, it can be a very big deal because any company at some point could go toes up, right? Uh, and, and, and at some point, that lease is going to expire, right? True. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and what about uh, users buying uh, SIM? Are you seeing with these low interest rates? And if the user's buying a vacant building, obviously the, the value is a lot lower, right, than a, than a leased building. Are you seeing some users that are opting to, to acquire these assets? A little bit of both, because lease rates are still low as well. Mm-hmm. So interest rates are low. Uh, it just depends on how much money they have, because if they don't have the equity, a lot of these people are still coming out of the recession. Mm-hmm. You know, we had four or five down years. So if they don't have the equity, then they're not going to buy. I mean, that's okay. just pretty simple. Okay. Well, Sam, Dane, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being with us. Thank you, Thanks, Michael. Michael. If you like more information from these guys, we're going to have their websites uh, on the show website at commercialrealestateshow.com. And uh, check us out next week. We're going to talk about retail and the retail real estate market. Uh, the retail market's really been changing, uh, as you've heard here with the industrial market. Uh, there's been some changes in retail with online and uh, the bricks and mortar business that's been going through some changes. So check it out. Thanks for joining us today. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Florida International University. Earn your commercial real estate master's degree in as little as 10 months. Visit FIUonline.com. And Bull Realty Commercial Brokers, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. And France Media Publications and Conferences. For exposure to the world of commercial real estate, visit francemediainc.com.